I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, March 13th, 2021, and this is episode 111 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is part of my writing update, so I guess I'll do them all together because while I haven't quite finished the manuscript yet, I did have one of those transcendent moments that you get as a writer sometimes that make everything else, all the slogging and the struggles that make it worth it. So uh, writing update is, I am at 72,247 words. Uh, so a week or two ago, I was worried that I was that this draft would only be 70,000 words because of what I cut. And I still have several chapters to go because I split some chapters. <laughs> so I'm working on the fantasy heist. And uh, I haven't added anything new, but I realized the chapters that I had already planned were, were going to be monster chapters. And at the end of a book, especially when we're in the climax, and I'm at the very height of the climax, I think the chapter should get a little shorter because that helps the pacing. So often at the end of my books, you'll just be turning pages faster because the chapters are going more quickly. It adds psychologically to the pacing. You know, pacing is uh, a difficult thing to deal with as an author, but part of it is how long are your paragraphs? How long are your chapters? How long are your scenes? How fast does the reader feel like they're moving through the story? You can speed it up by making it more choppy. You can slow it down by by elongating things, like making long blocks of text, longer descriptions. At the climax, there's fewer descriptions because you're really trying to get to the action. And so that's the part I'm writing right now. And um, that caused me to split some chapters, well, one chapter into two chapters, so now I am done with chapter 26. I'm moving into chapter 27 on my next writing day. So beginning of the week, since this is a historical fantasy taking place in Washington, D.C., there are a lot of real life locations. And so the climax of the book takes place at a real place that existed, still exists in some way. And I had found some pictures of the interior of this building earlier on in my research. And so I went because I was writing the scene and I was like, okay, I need to walk through it with the characters. I need to describe things. And so I was looking for the pictures. I found some more pictures on, I think, the Smithsonian website. Library of Congress might have had some pictures of this building. And so I was sort of trying to find as many as I could so that I could look at them and describe what it was like to walk through the doors and go inside. Um, and it's interesting because when I write about imaginary places, I, I don't obviously have pictures, but actually I do find pictures, like inspirational pictures, like um, for Song of Blood and Stone. There's a real palace in the Ukraine that's my model for the palace of El Sira, where the Prince Regent lives. And I don't think I had any pictures of the interior, but when I describe the exterior, I'm basically describing a version of that building. I don't always do that. Sometimes they're just completely imaginary, like the glass castle in Saya, which is the the castle in the other country of Lagrimar. Like I couldn't find a real castle made of glass. It's a ridiculous thing to do to have in real life. But in a fantasy novel, when you can use magic to make a glass castle, it makes perfect sense. And so I didn't really base it on anything. But since this is real, what I'm doing right now, I feel not obligated, but 
there's an opportunity there to just ground it. And I'm trying to, and I've been doing it the whole time, ground it in as many real details as possible, even if nobody else will ever realize, like, yeah, this is a real place. Maybe someone could go look up the pictures of them and see if I've described it accurately. I doubt that would happen, but you never know. But I mean, for me, it it helps me create those boxes that you know, those boundaries that I can then work within and have more creativity. So one of my writing sprints, like we do these 20 minute sprints, and I usually do three to four, maybe five, depending on time, each each morning. Uh, so one entire sprint was taken up researching the images and then kind of zooming in on them and looking and seeing what is that made of? How, how do I describe that? Because I don't know anything about architecture. And one of the reasons why I skim descriptions a lot when I read is because I don't know what they're talking about. They're describing buttresses and cornices, and I, I don't know what those things are. <laughs> like, Yes, I could look them up, but it doesn't matter to me. I do, when I read, I, I have a problem visualizing descriptions. So that's why I skim so many descriptions. And that's why I don't write a ton of descriptions. I don't, I'm not super interested in like lush descriptions of places because of that reason. I can't visualize them. When I read and I don't want to weigh down the text with it when I write because it's not important to me as a reader. And this is a criticism of my writing that I've seen, but it's one that I, I agree with. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of descriptions. I mean, I want to do enough so that people who are into that, you know, can get something and that you can place yourself, you know. Um, and those people who don't have the problem that I have visualizing <laughs> descriptions uh, can have something to do. And and I find it very helpful that I'm writing about a real place that I can look up and see the photographs of and then just write what those things are to the best of my ability. Um, anyway, so that was one of the writing things. And then I had I grounded myself in that. I could go through the scene um, and that went pretty well. I realized I hadn't been using my note cards for this draft I've written maybe three or four note cards, but unlike the last thing I was writing, which I guess was Requiem of Silence, which I used a lot of note cards and I wrote every basically every scene out on a note card, you know, the process changes. The process is the same, but it's modified each time. And no book is written in the exact same way as any other book that from the same author, you know, at least in my experience. Maybe because I'm using Plotter, I'm using a new software and, and the process is shifting and all of my scenes are in plotter, but I'm not even like um, diagramming them the, the way that I usually do with where like my note card would have the desire, the inciting incident, the progressive complications, et cetera, et cetera. And even in Scrivener, I use the metadata to write down um, things about each scene when I need them, like the goal, motivation, conflict, setting, um, the polarity shift of the scene, things like that. I have not been relying on that at all. Now, those are, I think they're intended to be more revision tools. And while this is technically a revision of my fast draft, it's still the first complete version of the book. So maybe those things will come into play in this story in the actual next revision when I have to break everything down, see what's wrong, and then build it back up again. All right, so we get to, we're getting closer to this week's best thing. I'm taking you on a journey. Come with me. So I was at this big climactic scene where there are a lot of things happening at the same time. And if it, this, if this book is a movie in my mind, then we're cross-cutting. We're following maybe three characters, uh, 
and they're in the same location, but they're they're having different things happen to them. But I'm in one person's POV. But I still have to keep my eyes on what's happening with this person, what's happening with this person and that person. And I did another fast draft of the scene. Uh, and it was just a jumbled mess. And I was like, okay, I know all of the elements that have to happen. I know what has to happen, but I have to get it in an order so that I can create a reading experience that is cohesive and easy to follow, even as you're going back and forth between, you know, these different characters in this room. After I did the fast draft, that was a huge mess, I went to my notebook and I started writing by hand everything that had to happen and it just came out in the order as a list. I wrote three and a half pages of the end, basically just the climax. This It's going to be several chapters that's happening. That's like the final battle scene, the final showdown with the villain and all of that. And so I clarified it in my mind by writing it by hand. And then I entered into the plotter software um, in each chapter. So I broke it into chapters and, and typed it up as a proof of concept. So like writing by hand always sort of is a little bit different than typing, I think. And so when I do things like this, like I use a bunch of different tools. I use my notebook and I also used plain text files. And I think I've talked about this before, but just I use a program called BB Edit on the Mac you could use text edit or notepad. I don't use Word because there's too many formatting options. I don't want to have to think about formatting. I want plain text, which is as close to handwritten text as I can get on the computer. I don't want to italicize or bold or choose a font. I want to type. And so plain text, you can't do any of those things. Um, so I use plain text for a lot of brainstorming and notes when I need to type faster than I can write by hand. And I'll go back and forth between my notebook and my plain text file. And so at this point, I have a long text file. I just add to the end of it with new ideas, and it's just brainstorming. So depending on the book, um, when I get into these positions where I have to write things by hand, I will either use my notebook or a plain text file. And I don't know how I choose. It's just sometimes I run it and write it by hand, and sometimes I want to type it. If, it, if the ideas are coming faster, I guess. If I if I need to spend a little bit more time thinking about it and I have more time and I know it, maybe I have the sense that it's coming a little more slowly, then I can do it by hand. So I wrote it by hand. I typed it into Plotter. I, I realized I had a big hole. I had like a big impossibility, like a thing I said you couldn't do with the magic that I just had them doing. So I had to figure out something. And that helps to it's like a, a revision step, you know, like you do it by hand to stage one, computer stage two. Then it was time to start writing the scenes. And that is when we get to this week's best thing. Because when I started writing this, the first chapter that I ended up breaking into two of this climax, it was just so glorious. It was like it came out. I felt so inspired. It came out so easily. I realized a big thing that helped me fix some things that were foggy in my mind. Like one of those things where I had been laying some groundwork in the beginning part of the book, like a few hints here and there about something. And I didn't know what I was going to do with that. I was like, well, I could take it out maybe if I don't need it, but it's there right now. So I'll see what happens. And as I was writing, it just clicked into place. I was like, that is it. It makes sense. I know why I put that stuff there. It was one of those moments where I think it's one of those moments that you feel that really does keep you going. Like, 
because I've been struggling, you know, the past few weeks, knowing I was going to get it. And then when you get it and it actually happens and you have that high, those endorphins, like, I know what I'm doing. Apparently part of me is known all along, like it was there. I just have to go back and, you know, strengthen it, flesh it out a bit more now that I know the details. Um, but it was just that wonderful, amazing, transcendent feeling when you get it and like the heavens open up and just pour that inspiration on you. And it, that is not what the writing life is always like. If you are a longtime listener, you will know. And if you are a writer yourself, you will absolutely know that. But there are those moments and they're just so precious and I love them and I just want to celebrate them. And uh, because I was on um, my morning call with my friend who would get together and write together, Inez Johnson, she was sharing in the joy with me because she has shared in the struggle. Like every every day, five days a week, we get together and write and she hears me grumble and I hear her grumble and we try to encourage each other and brainstorm a little bit. And um, so, yeah, when you have those kind of moments of win, it it's just, it's wonderful. It's great. Um, I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm still happy. Like this, I guess it happened yesterday. Or maybe it was Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I think it was it was Thursday and Friday. And it was just these these great moments. Um so that is this week's best thing. I am rounding the finish line. I my initial plan was my initial hope was to finish tomorrow, but I then I I quickly realized that was not going to happen. So this week I hope to finish. I believe there are now 29 chapters plus an epilogue. So I have three chapters to go in the epilogue. And I don't know how long the epilogue will be, but that should be a week's worth of work. And I should be somewhere close to maybe 76, 77,000 words by the end of that, I think. We'll see. But yeah, it's just, it's just the best feeling. Like when it all comes together in your mind and you realize what your subconscious has been doing or whatever that mystical creative force that is inside of you that knows something your conscious mind doesn't. And then when the time is right, I guess, it just gives it to you. But it's really important to remember that in order for those transcendent moments to happen, you have to do the work. You have to sit in the chair. We say butt in chair, hands on keyboard, bitchock. I think that's how you say it. And yeah, like I'm here five days a week, sometimes six, depending. I was feeling so good that um, I was considering writing today, even though it's my day off. And then last night I was like, no, I should keep my day off. I should protect that time. I will still have this energy on Sunday if I choose to write Sunday. I have been taking both days of the weekend off the past few weeks just to give myself extra thinking time and because I've been feeling a little burnt um, because of the struggle. Like the struggle makes it harder to – like you know you have to push – but you don't want to push too hard. Knowing how hard to push is is a difficult, you know, calculation to make. So um, I have to see if I'm going to write tomorrow or not. I decided not to try to write today on this, but maybe tomorrow I will try to just gather that energy so I don't, you know, the fear is that it'll dissipate and I'll lose it um, and keep going. But what I was saying was uh, you have to sit down as often as you can and and do the work. You know, it's not possible for everyone to write every day. I think writing as close to every day as possible is best for most people. Uh, but there are a lot of people who do very well writing once a week or twice a week, like only on the weekends. Or I had a writing teacher who once told me about some author who only wrote in the summers because they were a teacher. And, you know, 
the school year was just too hectic. So they would only write novels during the three months in the summer. And that's how they did it. And whatever works for you. But I do think for most people, writing as often as possible is the best thing. So you don't, because every day you don't, it gets easier and easier not to. So five to six days a week works really well for me. And, you know, maybe out of the, you know, the 12 months a year that I write, how often do I have these moments? Rarely. I can probably count them on one hand, but they don't come unless you're there to receive them. And I guess it might be like, you know, you hear about people who are drug addicts and that first high they get and they're always chasing it. Something, something about writing is an addiction because it is difficult. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know who there's an author, there's a quote out there, like a famous quote about like, if you can do anything else, then write, do it. Because it is not just the writing, publishing, all of it, so much going on. It's a difficult um, career to try to be a part of. So yeah, if you don't have to, then maybe you shouldn't. But if you have to, then you absolutely should. <laughs> anyway. I'm still very excited about that. I'm excited about the end of this book. I'm excited. I'm excited about being done with it. <laughs> Hopefully next week. Done with this, this draft. I don't often get truly excited. I don't often allow myself to be like truly excited about something without any caveats, you know, without that sort of fear in the back of my mind that, oh, well, tomorrow might be worse than today. I would describe my general demeanor at all times is cautiously optimistic, which might also be cautiously pessimistic, depending on the day, the hour, I don't know, the situation. But yeah, I have allowed myself to be very excited about about this moment, just because it was so, it was so great. I did want to highlight a few things I saw this week. Um, author Sarah Cannon, who has the YouTube channel Heart Breathings, did a Notion walkthrough of how she uses Notion as a writer for her, for her writing journal. And I think having a writing journal is a good idea. My podcast is basically my writing journal. Like I've, at different times, I've tried to have an actual written writing journal typed, but then after a day of writing, like, I don't want to write anymore, honestly. So I then I switched to like a personal video diary, which I did for a couple of years. And then I shifted to the podcast, which is my public video diary slash audio diary. And uh, kind of just working through your writing. Like I think it's it's good however you can to, to write down your thoughts about how things are going, um, struggles, triumphs, all of that, somehow record them. And so that you can have the opportunity to look back on them if you need to. But I think for me, just getting it down, getting it out helps me process and think through it. And it's really helped me hone my, hone my process and feel more comfortable about everything, you know, like remembering, cause I have such a bad memory also. So knowing when I've gone through like really difficult times in books and come out the other side of it. The next time I, I go through that, I'll be like, oh, well, I have, I have gone through it before, so I can get on the other side again. And just n- noticing things about your yourself and how you write. That's why I started logging on a spreadsheet, uh, the time I spend so that I can 
not only have an idea of how to plan for future projects, but just know what's going on with me. So anyway, I recommend her video if you are interested. You don't have to use the program Notion. There's lots of different ways that lots of different people track, but I am always interested in other authors' processes and she is, you know, very generous and shares a lot. Her channel is great. I watch it quite often. So check that out. I will link to that in the show notes. I also have a giveaway this week. I have remembered to bring this book upstairs. So I'm going to be holding it for the last three weeks of March 2021, if you are listening in real time. And what I'm doing is giving away this book. It is called So to Speak by Shirley and Harold Koblener. It is a reference book of expressions. It says 11,000 expressions that'll knock your socks off. It's a really cool thing to have in your writer's toolkit, or just if you're not a writer, just as a thing to have. It's basically an organized listing of different expressions. So for example, for food and cooking, it everything from bread and butter, give a toast, your toast, toasty warm, he's a bad egg, bald as an egg, egg him on, he's a good egg. It's just lots of expressions. Basically, that's what it is. It also has some games that you can like word games and that you can use the book for um, like sort of party games or something. I was sent the book by the publisher and I just thought it would be cool to have. So if you are interested in entering for a copy of, so to speak, then go to lpenelope.com slash podcast giveaway, one word. I will link to it in the show notes and enter. It will be US only. Unfortunately, I am sorry, international people. I will do an international giveaway at some point. Shipping costs are just crazy. But if you are in the US and would like a copy, please enter the giveaway. I'll run it through uh, the end of March 2021. Also in author-ish news, I'm planning to do a read-along of all of the Erisinger Chronicles in preparation for the final book, Requiem of Silence, coming out in August. I'm planning it right now. So if you are a reader and uh, you haven't read the series, or if you have and would like to reread it, I'm going to be doing some giveaways, some live videos, Q&As. Um, I'm planning it now. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the calendar. So stay tuned. Get on my author newsletter if you are not, which is available at lpenelope.com. And I'll be definitely alerting all the channels about it. And I'll be talking about it here too. But it's been on my mind and I know I need to start planning it so that I we have enough time to read all of the books. And I know they're long books. So we'll be doing novels and novellas. I will be giving behind the scenes info on them. Like I said, live videos. I'm still working out the plan, <laughs> but it's coming. And that is it for me for this week. Uh, goals for this week, finish the new book. And uh, that should be the only goal because that's going to take <laughs> all of the writing time. I'm really looking forward to having this be done and and then going back to it and revising it. But yeah, I, I love I love the story so much. So anyway, I will talk to you next week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. We are in, is it the end of daylight savings time or the beginning? I never know which one's which. I just know that the clocks are changing this weekend, so... If you're listening to this on Monday, I hope that you changed your clock. And I will talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter to get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, 
podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.